2: Alex, if you had to decide between which one of us was Pete Alonso and which one of us was the silky elk, Michael Conforto, which one do you identify with more?
0: I'd, I'm, not, I'm not sure I, I get the question. Just like as, as people. Also, I need you to explain the silky elk thing to me because this is something that's I, you tweeted about it the other day and it just went completely over my head.
2: Okay, so this is a good barometer. So you don't even know what the elk thing is. That means no one listening to this podcast knows what I'm talking about. That's quite possible, yes. So Pete was giving a press conference after the Mets won the other day. And he was asked about Michael Conforto, who made an incredible play in the outfield. The Mets made a few good plays in the outfield to save the game. There was basically bases loaded, and someone hit a liner to right field over Conforto's head. And he made kind of like a basket catch. And they asked Pete about it, and Pete's answer, according to the tweet from Anthony DiComo, just quote: "Mike's the Silky Elk." Pete Alonzo said of Michael Conforto: "No other explanation. Never heard that nickname before. Just popped it out." Pete Alonzo:
0: "Mike's the Silky Elk." Interesting that he specified "silky." You know, like what <laughs> does that? Like mean? Where does where does that come from? Is it a reference? Does Michael Conforto have like a little mane of like? back hair that we don't know about that only Pete Alonso is privy to. Well, Michael Conforto famously got his
2: shirt ripped off after a walk-off last year, so we would know if he was like particularly silky. I think he's like relatively silky. Is he trying to say like silky smooth like he makes a he makes that great defensive play. He's silky smooth like Andreton Simmons or something?
0: Uh, sh- uh, sure. I mean, you know, it's not a phrase I would use to describe someone. But I, so then, then
2: I get, is it a phrase that you would use to describe yourself? Then, are you the Silky Oak or are you Pete Alonzo? <laughs> the
0: polar bear. Um, it, it's. I the mean, Silky Oak or the polar bear? Which one of which one of us is which? Impossible choice because like one is a frat star and one is like you know support our troops. Rah rah, America! NYPD hat. You know, like take <laughs> it <get> down <laughs> a just, notch. We're gonna get to that later. <laughs> Um, I guess I, I guess I identify with uh, with Michael Conforto. Yeah, you're the silky elk.
2: I would yeah. have said you're the silky elk too. Yeah, I don't know
0: why. I just feel that way. I
2: yeah, think our listeners I mean, would agree. I think so too. And you, you seem like a polar bear. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, Pete Alonzo, weird guy confirmed. Mike's the silky elk. Yeah, I need I need more information about why they call them that. This is what beat reporters are for. you got to dig deeper into this. Um, Okay, let's get into the real part of the podcast. Um, We're going to talk to Mark Normandin later in this show, um, who many of you might know from his time at SB Nation um, or his newsletter currently, and who is also now part of a new venture called Publication to be Named Later, a worker co-op, a quarterly worker co-op of stories that you might not see elsewhere. But before we get into all of that good stuff, I'm Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley. And you're listening to Tipping Pitches. All right, we're going to talk to Mark in just a little while. But there's some things that I need to talk to you about first, Alex. Okay. I have more customer service complaints.
0: Oh, gosh. Oh, Bobby's a Karen, everyone. It's almost too good to be true, though. Bobby wants to speak to someone's manager. This is going to be our the new segment. Is uh, Whose manager does Bobby want to speak with this week?
2: So after my complaint last week on the podcast about how MLB TV streams don't work, which I will say, your mom did text me afterwards and confirm that the streams don't work for her either. So we're going to take that as a large sample size of evidence proving Mm -hmm. my point Mm -hmm. yeah okay so I was trying to watch the Mets later that day or maybe the following day I don't even remember all days are the same and it was just wasn't working on my PlayStation 4 it was quitting out every time I tried to open it and so what I did I was like you know what I'm gonna trust that MLB could fix this for me I'm going to file a complaint on their website both on the PlayStation I'm gonna complain about the app And then I'm going to go to my laptop and complain about it there. So I did that. I've yet to hear a follow-up about why MLB TV doesn't work for me. But you know what I have gotten? Is I've gotten signed up for two separate newsletters now because I typed my email account into the MLB TV help page. Alex, I've been signed up for the MLB Morning lineup, which I never got before I complained. And the MLB.com slash Insider newsletter. So Alex, I complain about a product that I pay for that they that doesn't work. And their response is to sign me up for two newsletters that I
0: don't want. This is MLB in a nutshell. <laughs> this is just late stage capitalism in a nutshell. Yes. Honestly. It's like, hey, this uh this product of yours doesn't work. Yes, but can I interest you in something else that you didn't ask for and will never use instead? <laughs> I haven't even opened any of these newsletters. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. That's a really, I mean, that's a harrowing experience for sure.
2: At this point, uh, what do I do? Like, do I start tweeting? Should I start tweeting?
0: <laughs> yeah, by all means, I need you need to become the kind of person who, when you go into their like mentions, into like their you know replies Tweet, on their profile replies. page, yeah, it's um, it's just like at MLB, you know, this is crazy. Uh, I've been using your service for years as a loyal customer, but I just can't do this anymore. At MLB, please DM me. At MLB, hello, does anyone man this account? Like, this is this is what you're going to turn into.
2: Should we call MLB TV support live on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Should I yeah. DM the Zoom link that we're using right now to MLB support?
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I see mean, if this they is, join. Yeah. This is... uh uh, pro-labor podcast, so we're going to bring on a customer service representative and just absolutely just, just just like go completely in on them, something they have absolutely no control over. I
2: wasn't envisioning just yelling at the customer service representative, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Jesus. I was just going to bring them in and just be like, I was going to bring them live onto our podcast without telling them ahead of time. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> I'm all out of options. I don't know what to do. My MLB TV works like 40% of the time.
0: Yeah. It's pretty bad. I, I think that the answer is to no longer watch baseball. I think that's, you've been given no choice. You know, you've tried. You've tried to watch baseball. You've tried to enjoy the product. And it's just, baseball doesn't want you to watch it.
2: And I, think okay. being, I think we're being specifically targeted for criticizing Rob Manfred.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Let's start that conspiracy theory. Yeah. He knows who we are. He
2: listens to the podcast. He's like, you know what? This guy's MLB TV subscription,
0: pull it, pull it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm certain they have the capability to do that sort of thing. Oh, just like, yeah. Just like give this person 12 different ads, their plays of the week or whatever. Give them the same video over and over and over again before they can actually watch the baseball game.
2: They just go in and mess up like one line
0: of code so that it never works. Yeah, or that like the screen is slightly cropped so you like can't see one <laughs> team's score. You know, just like really like, tiny things that make it impossible to enjoy the game. Yeah.
2: Another other news, let me get your MLB TV subscription and see if it works. I t- I, I'm, I'm all in on Reddit, dude. I don't oh yeah, you do for it this year. Yeah. Right? You're like me for the last 15 years and then I finally paid for it. And this is how I'm rewarded. Guess what this I'm not doing you... next year. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of other things before we get to our conversation with Mark, and number one is, mere hours after you and I stopped recording last week, we were tagged in a tweet, quote tweet, from our friend Eric Silver, over at Multitude Productions, a fun podcast collective that you all should check out. And it was uh, it was an AP Sports tweet. Here's the copy of the tweet, Alex, because it's just so ridiculous and I don't understand it and I need you to explain it to me. Nat's GM Mike Rizzo was ejected for yelling at the umpires from a suite. Crew Chief Joe West explained, I wouldn't take that from a player. I wouldn't take that from a manager. If it was Donald Trump, I'd eject him too, but I'd still vote for him.
0: So you like Absolute left hook right there at the end (laughs) of that tweet.
2: (laughs) I clicked into the story. There's no other context for the quote. This is the whole thing. Like, Joe West just said this unprompted. Yes, he was like, yeah. you know what I should do? Talk about who I'm going to vote for. He's using this his is... platform to talk about his politics.
0: <laughs> this is... Yeah, right. I, I expect um, all the angry baseball watchers to um, get up in arms at Joe West about bringing uh, politics into sports. Because obviously the two don't mix. Like, so literally, Joe West... Sick, he's bringing to, up like, the sports, presidential yeah. election. Yes, exactly. I, this, is, oh, this is, we need to stop emboldening these people. Like, stop asking Joe West questions.
2: He's the head Let's, of the
0: MLP Umpires Association. You sorry, can't stop de,
2: asking him questions.
0: Deplatform Joe West. Is, that's, what I, <laughs> that's what I'm calling for right now. <laughs> Take Joe West games off YouTube. <laughs> this is, <laughs> you're really the king of unforced errors, honestly, both in his job as an umpire and just as a spokesperson for major league baseball umpires. I mean, not the first time that he has gotten into relative hot water over this sort of thing. Uh, but what sort of thing is this? I don't even get it.
2: Like when you say this sort of thing, what, what do you mean?
0: (laughs) I don't, yeah, listeners might remember um that he got into some hot water earlier this year over uh denial of coronavirus, COVID-19, the the trend sweeping the globe right now. Um and had to be reprimanded by the trend Umpires Union. <laughs> so like Joe West is like all, Joe West is like a degree removed from being like a QAnon supporter at this point. I this is no one asked him. For his opinion on this sort of thing. No one asked, hey, what would you do if it was Trump up there, huh? That's just that's just where his brain immediately goes. Really? It went it went there immediately?
2: I have no explanation for this. I don't understand it.
0: Yeah, and, and it makes sense. I mean, Joe West is like the perfect caricature for the, you know, as a Trump supporter. I mean, this is what happens when you just like take someone who has spent like eight hours a day sitting on their couch watching Fox News and then basically make them the most important referee in baseball. Like, this is what this is what we get.
2: It's a bizarre thing to say, but it's also bizarre that we don't have any more context from it. Like, why doesn't the AP story, why didn't they ask a follow-up? Why weren't they like, what are you talking about? I think somebody should just ask Joe West his, Joe West his feelings on Trump and just let him go wild.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, man, just let him walk out onto the plank himself. I mean, we are weeks away from Joe West appearing on Fox News to talk about his support. I mean, I'm actually a little I don't surprised even think it weeks hasn't away. happened yeah. yet. Um, but it's going to happen before the election, especially it's going to happen like in the middle of the MLB postseason. You know, because those things just happen to coincide. I love. Yeah, um, he's going to become like a free speech warrior. Like he's being silenced by the major by
2: the the leftist major league baseball yeah. structure won't let and yet, him speak out his truth about Donald Trump.
0: <laughs> and and yet ironically Joe West is the one uh ejecting people from these games. You know, like Joe West is the is the one who's supporting cancel culture, really, if you think about it. Joe West has canceled Mike Rizzo. I love that someone asked um what like what Mike Rizzo was yelling and Joe West was like, "Oh, he Mike Rizzo is yelling things like you're brutal." I know. Like I know. that's Well, that seems is, to be
2: like the rallying cry of the Washington Nationals this year because Steven Strasburg was ejected earlier in the year for yelling, "That's fucking brutal." about a uh, balls and strikes, I think. And I think that Mike Rizzo was yelling the same thing.
0: I think it's just the kind of thing where, like, one of them said it, and then everyone, you know. I mean, this happened with you and me. We spend enough time together, and we just pick up a, on each other's language, and then all of a sudden, we're both yeah. saying "all right, sick" like every thirty seconds. You know,
2: <laughs> that's wet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also in in West's explanation, he's saying that it's a pandemic, and you can hear everything that he's saying, and. You know, you shouldn't be complaining when we can hear everything you're saying. It's just disrespectful. And I'm like, you wouldn't eject someone from the third row in a normal year for yelling, you're brutal or that's brutal. So just like maybe have a tougher skin, you know, maybe, maybe um,
0: don't get uh,
2: don't get triggered by Mike Rizzo yelling from the third
0: row. <laughs> this is parody at this point. Look, okay, all I want to say is that um all I want to say is that this whole moment was capped off by um by Joe West getting on the phone and calling security to eject Mike Rizzo from the, the game, which means both you and Joe West are interested in speaking to the manager because uh because it's just not working out. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel good. Yeah. I'm expressing my rights as a consumer. You actually are. This is just the free market in action.
2: What little rights I have left as a fucking <laughs> consumer, Alex. I'm expressing them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last thing that I want to talk to you about before we go to our conversation with Mark. Uh, quick update on the, the Mets ownership situation. It seems like they are mere hours away from Steve Cohen finalizing his deal. And uh, that has prompted our friends Alex Rodriguez and, and Jennifer Lopez to up their bid. <laughs> After we talked last week about how heated they were, fuming, according to the New York Post, that their bid was subverted by the Wilpons and forwarding it to Steve Cohen so that Steve Cohen could beat the bid. A-Rod's like, eh, all that's fine. Can we please give more money? like we've been we've been deeply offended, Sir, by how you've treated us in this sale, Sir, and we would like to talk about it publicly, sir, but also, Sir, can we offer you more money for your baseball team, please? their par you want to talk about parody, like their parody of themselves at this point, trying to get this team, like you're not going to get the team. It's you know,
0: incredibly funny, like watching this happen, knowing that they're not like they're not. They have get no the chance of getting Sorry.
2: the team. Steve
0: Cohen's already in exclusive negotiations. It's over, bro. You've lost. Also, like the owners, uh, the owners clearly don't want them as a like they are not the ownership group that <laughs> the owners of baseball are looking for. They're like they're trying looking to for...
2: sweeten it up, like they're trying to talk about like we'll put a hundred million dollars extra in and we'll do all these other things and. We're going to make Jennifer Lopez the control person now so that she's the first female control person of, of color. Like all these random things that they're just trying to throw in at the last minute. It's like, listen, your public pitch to buy the Mets to Rob Manfred on national television didn't work. Your private pitch via JP Morgan to buy the Mets, which was then litigated in the New York tabloids for four months, also didn't work. Nothing you do at this point is going to work. I'm sorry. It's over. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't believe I'm still reading stories about this. God, I know.
0: Would you rather that they own the Mets? Like over Steve Cohen? Yeah. I probably. It'd be more weird. I think so and, too. And like fun and stupid. Because you know, even like, if like
2: even if Arod doesn't do a good job, I still think I'd rather have former players getting into ownership groups. Like given the choice between the two evils, it's like former players who have completely bent the knee to the league or like investment capitalist bros.
0: Right. And at least one is like maybe more interesting to dunk on. Like we dunk on venture capitalists like every other minute of the day. Like, give yeah. me, like, let me dunk on an obscenely rich Alex Rodriguez making a dumbass move. Like, that's what I want.
2: And also, at least one still seems like interested in baseball. <laughs> yeah. Say what you want about Alex Rodriguez. I think he kind of likes baseball. <laughs> I think probably JLo likes baseball more than Steve Cohen. I, oh, I'm sure. It's yes. going to run out. It's going to, dunking on Steve Cohen is going to um, run dry real quick. Cause it's like, how much left can we say? Ha ha! Harassment lawsuit. Very funny to talk about on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is just gonna... He's gonna slide in really seamlessly with our roasting of other MLB owners. You know, like, he's yeah. just gonna become another, he's not gonna another name us. on a spreadsheet. I know. Yeah.
2: Whereas A-Rod, you know, we'd have to really be plugged in and engaged. We'd, yeah, have, we'd to have, have to be on creative. our toes. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Uh, let's go to our conversation with Mark Normandin. I do want to remind people really quickly before we do, though. Um, two things one you can still buy a unionize the minor shirt if you purchased one and it was returned um, it's because bonfire removed two of our three designs but one of the three designs is still up it is the Phillies design Phillies inspired design if bonfire copyright lawyers are listening <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's it's a great shirt it still goes to an amazing cause and we would appreciate that so you can find that on our Twitter or if you just search Tipping Pitches Bonfire on Google. And then the other thing is that our friend Shakia Taylor is moderating a panel, a a running series of panels that the White Sox do called Game Changers. Um, And it's at 11 a.m. Central Time this Thursday, September 17th. And it's about reflecting on the legacy of the Negro Leagues. So if you're not doing anything on September 17th at 11 a.m. Central Time, tune in it's free you can register online now and i know that it'll be a great conversation and if you've enjoyed jakey's appearances on this podcast then there's no reason not to register hell yeah okay let's go to our conversation with mark norman
0: you won't leave the table she won't leave your mind gotta get out of ohio Feeling short on time Eyeball your inheritance Dead stare at the bar Put back one more Stumble under the stars We could fly to Ireland all right, Bobby, we, uh, we have a guest on right now that has, feels like it's been a long time coming. Uh, it's been maybe two or three two or three years in the works. Uh, Mark Normandin, um, <laughs> Patreon er, freelance writer, uh, new editor of the publication to be named later. Hello. Hello. Ooh. It's
1: not that I was too good or too busy for the, well, I guess I was too busy, too good for the podcast. It's that I have two children That's and one of, <laughs> one of them came within this window and it was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't have the, I'm not awake then or I do, I got to do something else. So I stay yeah. sane.
2: Yes. I feel like there's been a lot of talk about priorities in the world in the last six months, you know, just general priorities talk. And as it r- relates to the micro level, I feel like children takes priorities over podcasts that aren't even your own. So we understand I <laughs> <laughs> can't even do my own podcast
0: anymore. So, you know, that's okay though. Um, like I said, it's, this is, this feels like this should have happened uh, way long ago. And I think our, our schedules just never, never aligned, but you've been writing um, about labor in baseball and minor league unionization um, or our, Our listeners can't see it, but you're, you're repping the unionized the miners shirt right now. So this, (laughs) this, this feels like the, the match made in heaven. Um, and, and before we get to your work with, uh, with publication to be named later, I, um, I'm just kind of curious how you have been engaging with baseball this year um you are as i mentioned you're you're writing uh, for patreon subscribers you're taking it at your pace a little bit more so kind of what has it been like um watching this ridiculous wacky baseball season um while being able to like write about it kind of on your own terms
2: yeah man how are you like how's your internalization of the dystopia going
1: bro yeah yeah uh i haven't watched a game all season wow Okay. Now, All right. My beat doesn't require it. So <laughs> when I kind of emotionally just hit a like, I don't need this in my life. Um, Interesting. I I removed it. I excised it. Uh, I mean, it helps. Uh, some of the temptations are gone. For instance, um, I love the Padres. Uh, and this is a year where you can say that proudly. Um, <laughs> but the games are on late and I want to play video games and unwind from the aforementioned children. Um, so, and I don't, I don't feel great about watching baseball during a pandemic I've, I've had a hard time with sports in general like I've kind of caught some Celtics highlights and watched a little bit while they're in the playoffs but and I I love the Celtics and playoff basketball is the best thing going and I still like can't get rid of whatever voice is like you shouldn't enjoy this it was, shedding the Red Sox was easy because I did that before uh they played any <laughs> pandemic baseball um because I straight up like when they traded Mookie Betts I was like no, well, I'm done and it wasn't like, like, more,
2: like more like that day, you were just like, I'm out.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I'm out. I'm like, this is if they can't keep the greatest player they have ever developed, what's the point? Yes, you know? exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. so I was like, yeah, I'm out. I don't care. You know. Um and it's wow, been easy.
2: A, a fan actually turning on a team that sh- treats them poorly. You are a stronger fellow than I am, <laughs> as a Mets fan.
1: <laughs> oh, oh man, I don't know if there's any saving y'all.
2: <laughs> I don't think so.
1: Um, but look to my example. And find strength in it, I guess uh, yeah i just i can't I can't enjoy anything in about the Red sox not not anything in my life
0: um things not that I, you, dire. yeah, no, I was just gonna say i mean you would be forgiven if that was where your your head was at <laughs> right now
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's how i'm that's how I'm absorbing the season is uh, I'm not um it, as I said before, my beat doesn't really. You know, when I was at SB Nation uh, and I edited the MLB page uh, and I also did writing and I did the the newsletter there to say, hey, baseball, uh, RIP. Um, you know, I had, to, I had to stay connected to what was going on because I was helping Grant Brisby come up with stuff and making sure that he was writing about a season that was actually happening. Um, unless we wanted to write one about one that wasn't happening. Who knew? Uh, same thing with uh, Whitney McIntosh and my own stuff. But now it's like, I write about... Kind of the labory stuff, and you know, oh, kind of from a leftist point of view. So, there don't need to be games being played, or I don't need to be writing about the games. Uh, so, I follow. I follow like the news of the league more than I've been following the league itself. But I'm, I am very happy that the Padres in their beautiful uh, brown uniforms are uh, are doing well. There's that.
2: I got one. I bought one, and Alex made fun of me for it. He's like, "Why did you buy a jersey? Where are you going to wear it? Especially at a pandemic." He's like, "You're going to drive two hours down to San Diego and just stand outside the ballpark." You made fun of me on the podcast for it.
1: Oh, just wear it. and Look in a mirror. Who cares? Those things are gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, I, I I went to uh, part of a part of our uh, our honeymoon back in in uh, 2015. You know, we were out in San Diego for part of it, and so we went to Petco. And uh, I bought one of the, like, 19, I think 1978 brown pullover jerseys. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to any Padres games again, you know? Anytime soon, potentially, ever. Who knows? Uh, I still got it. Thing's great. It's hanging in my closet for the most part. But, like, I have it. And now it's, at least the brown is not, like, a relic of the past and... They have those those wonderful pinstripe uniforms.
2: <laughs> I do really, I I do really enjoy the pinstripes. I can't tell if it's just that, like I enjoy all of the players wearing them as well. So it's like giving it an extra boost. Like if the Padres were like, you know, seventy and ninety-two pace, like would I really like the uniforms quite as much? Would I really be enjoying the uniforms quite as much? I don't know.
1: Can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I had um, I had this, I, I have this like Google Doc full of ideas, and some of them are a few years old. because so, some of them are like my old beat. And one of them was just um, teams that don't deserve to make the playoffs until they change their shitty uniforms. <laughs> uh, and one, like that one of them was the Padres. And they, hey, look, they changed their uniforms. And there they are. All those crap ones are gone. And now they're like, oh, wait, now we're great. How about it really that? really makes you think. It so really makes you think. More people should listen to me. That's my, that's my <laughs> ethos.
0: <laughs> well, also, they just happen to be scooping up all the players that the rest of the league, for some reason, doesn't want. And so they're just like, oh, you do, you don't want to pay your superstar a hundred million dollars? Like, yeah, oh, we'll take that. We'll take Manny Machado, sure. Why why not?
1: Yeah, I mean, it Eric Hosmer's doing better this year, but like at least the philosophy that brought them Eric Hosmer also had them like put Fernando Tatis Jr. in the majors er, like a year early. No, people can't see me doing air quotes, but I'm doing them. Um, <laughs>
2: A year early, which and is actually only you know, a year and a half too late.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, look, look at this confluence of positive events that have happened because they gave Fernando Tatis Jr. that exposure last year and like kept with Hosmer, who is a talented player and just had something going on. It's like, oh, now they have a bunch of good players at the same time. Better trade them all to the Dodgers. They can't afford them.
2: <laughs> well, that's what I was worried about. Last, we talked about this last week because we were talking about the trade deadline and you know, obviously we don't discuss news and analysis like quite in the same way that a lot of other shows do much like yourself we try to just focus on labor and lefty stuff and cultural stuff about baseball but we did want to talk about the Clevenger trade and I think it's a positive that the Padres are the team willing to do this and I think it's a negative that that Cleveland just decides that they just want to trade all their players away two years before they'd have to pay them but I guess it's a longer discussion but then I, I at the end of the conversation I was like, is this just gonna end up in the Padres just like just missing the World Series and every other team being like, see, it didn't work. It didn't work. We told you. <laughs> uh,
1: I feel like even if they do well, like let's say they win the World Series, uh, there'll probably be a lot of people who are like, Well, it was a short season, it was an expanded playoffs, like it doesn't who cares? Like they'll 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 say rather than go out and like change what they're doing, they would rather say that this was illegitimate. Yeah. Um, and then Rob Manfred will probably be like, "We're not allowed to talk about the 2020 season. Like, throw that in the bin with the Astros.
2: Uh, it's just just all part of the, the same
1: 16 month period. <laughs> yeah, it's just like now it's memory hole. All of this, <laughs> keep not doing what you're doing.
2: It's just like learn a lesson from the NCAA and vacate this
1: 12 month period. <laughs> that would, I mean, it would be the most Padres thing that has ever happened. So,
0: looking forward to it. <laughs> um, so we. We obviously we we wanted to have you on just because like I said been a long time coming, but also you are a a part of a new project that has popped up. Um publication to be named later, P P T B N L, uh for short, if that's if that's shorter. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a media cooperative, a quarterly publication formerly SB Nationers largely it sounds like um, can you talk a little bit about the the genesis of that where it came from what spurred kind of you guys to get together and and think hey what if we just make the media ourselves rather than relying on a few really rich people to just send money send money down the down the pipeline to us so i was laid off by vox
1: November 2018. So I had a lot of time to think about, um, you know, the kinds of like kinds of ways you could create media without that reliance on, on VC folks, on people who don't understand sports, um, but will tell you how to do it, who will lay off or whatever in a moment's notice. I mean, part of me being laid off is essentially them being like, well, we don't need baseball anymore. I guess it's like, it's a sports website it that that's a sport i don't <laughs> know if you know that but a, re- a relatively popular one too yeah it's despite long, what long some running, people might say you can yeah. say <laughs> yeah i mean it was a l- that whole thing was like a okay you need to post less often uh, less often and make things count more but posting less often had fewer people show up to the site to see the other stuff that was important like there was a whole just kind of a endless cycle down the drain
0: yeah and I
1: was like, well, maybe if we do nothing, that'll help traffic. So I got rid of all of this. Um, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, but so I had, a, I had a lot of time to think about ways to do it. So I started the newsletter, uh, the Patreon-backed newsletter, um, that January, uh, you know, a few months later, after playing about 400 hours of various Fallout games, just kind of not sleeping and doing a lot of that. Um, kind of pulled myself out of that with, uh, with this idea. Um, and so that got me thinking... As, as newsletters kept springing up all over the place. And now they're, they're everywhere, and paid ones are everywhere. Um, there's, they're like podcasts. <laughs> yeah. That, well, you know, there's like a bubble eventually, right? You know, there's only so many dollars that can go out there and support like individual folks. So then I'm, I'm worried about the bubble and like the limitations of my own newsletter model. So around the time I'm really thinking about this and how we can avoid the previous bubble that happened with blogging. Uh, where a bunch of folks with money kind of scooped up all these blogs and put them together into networks and new sites and then laid off a ton of them after they owned all the intellectual property rights to everything. Um, And like how we could avoid doing this uh, this top-down structure again and maybe do something bottom-up. So around the time I'm thinking about all that stuff, uh, Fox furloughs or lays off uh, a ton of people again, mostly SB nationers because sports websites don't need sports writers or sports editors or anything. Naturally. Um, so that, that day that that news was announced, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of us had, um, had a call that night, like a zoom call, just people who still work there, people who had been furloughed, people who were let go a long time ago. We're all just kind of sitting around, like having a few beers, you know, remember, remember in the days we were all allowed to be together, uh, like I drop a message in the in the group chat, just talking about like we need to do something worker owned, and you know a couple of people got back to me the next day, and a couple of days later, and we're like, are you just saying that, or you know, or do we want to actually do something? And I'm like, you know what, fuck it, let's do something. Um, so we went through a few different ideas of what we want to do, and there's still some stuff. You know, we'd love to do a website in the long run, but um, it's hard to just pick that stuff up. You know, I love the uh, the ex Deadspin folks. You know, it was cool that they were able to put a site together. But like, that's Deadspin; and it's a cohesive unit, and it's all of them together. And you know what you're getting. Yeah. It's like here's Deadspin with even more independence without any of the bullshit. That's awesome. Like whoever they asked to throw money at them, be it people or some small time investors or advertisers or whatever, like they they did it. So Defector existing is awesome. We're much more fractured. And I think because of some decisions made by SB Nation itself over the years, um, less cohesive vision-wise than than something like Deadspin was, and um, that makes it a little harder to to just like be like, hey, we're going to do like SB Nation 2, this time without all the shit. Yeah. So uh, we want to start with the quarterly. You know, people have other things going on too. So this is kind of like a cool, it's like a side project for some folks. You know, like I said, I've got the newsletter. And that doesn't like pay my mortgage by itself or anything, but um, you know I, I'm not late for any of my bills. Uh, so this this quarterly is kind of like a cool side gig, and it's it started out as primarily uh, former SB Nation folks, as you said, but we want to create a space for people to get paid for like the freelance work that they're doing too, and there just aren't many freelance outlets that are that are paying. Uh, even places that are huge, like the New York times, it's like, oh, cool. You were like a freelance piece for the times. And it's like, yeah, they gave me a couple hundred bucks. you know? Um, cause it's the times and they know they can go, well, you can have a top byline at times yeah. and get a couple hundred bucks or you can get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. So we want to like, you know, do the, do the math of how many people are involved in this project. um, and then see that our, our base fundraising goal was thirty thousand dollars for this issue, yeah. And it, that's because the idea is like, oh, you did work, cool, you get paid for it, and not like a little bit. Like you will be paid. You know, are you doing a long reported feature? Is it going to be thirty five hundred words? And you did reporting. It's like, guess what? Like, let's get you the money you would get if you did this in a, a nice magazine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, and so creating a space where we can bring in writers and editors and whoever to an artist to do, to do work in something like this. Even if it's, even if it's just four times a year, if you, if you get this extra money from it and it helps bolster all those times you do freelance pieces where you are underpaid. Um, you know, we, we, we hope we're helping people out like that. Um, and all, like the money is going to everyone who's doing the work. There's no, you know, we say it's like worker owned and operated, but you know, so there's no like passive, Income, you know. So, like, any everyone with like an ownership stake in it is really just the people who are like, okay, cool. After this issue is done, we will make another issue, and they're like organizing it more than more than anything. There's no like congratulations on organizing it, bonus check or anything yeah. like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, everything's being funneled into it. So, uh, given the state of people making money off of all of our work without doing anything, that was very important. <laughs> to um, To get it like that, you know, the bank the bank needed us to say we had owners, and so we're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And it's like, well, what what does ownership mean if there's you're not you don't own any? There's no money that you're like sitting on or whatever. Yeah, and there's the contracts nothing, are there's nothing to own. Here, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, <laughs> so we we did what we had to do for like legal reasons, but um, yeah, the, it's like, oh, cool. All this money will be spent towards this quarterly or if there's somehow something left over for some reason, it's going to the next one. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I I'm interested, you know, cause in reading the announcement of publication to be named later and kind of reading some of like the ideas for what people want to write. I'm interested in how you view how operating like this, essentially like commissioning everyone's work by everybody giving the money ahead of time and making sure that you have enough money to pay everyone then allows you to do work that you wouldn't have been able to do at another place. You know, there's this idea that you always are chasing views, chasing clicks, chasing um, the story that, you know, higher up people at companies want you to chase. And also just like trying to keep up with the news cycle, trying to be in that same kind of misigos that every other media outlet is in, writing the same stories about the same stuff. And that it's impossible to kind of go off the beaten path because if it doesn't work, then you've just wasted and fallen behind all of the other media companies if you need to get back in the same Michigan with them. So I'm interested in how you view that and what kind of work you all have kind of um, laid out as a possibility and maybe even for this first issue, just like what is the stuff that someone who would donate to this and then get the quarterly going to see that they wouldn't see even from you folks back... When you were at SB Nation still,
1: so I think your description there of like how the how the editorial cycle works is apt. I don't really even have much to add to it, because um, yeah, that's the problem. It's but there's there's always time to come up with these like big ideas that you want to take a big swing at, um, but there's always the concern of like, oh, advertisers won't care about that, because um, you know, like the industry's not driven by clicks anymore so even if all your stuff is well read if like advertisers aren't paying for it it's not going to exist so the people might want something but the people who want the advertising money want something else and they don't always meet in the middle so this is kind of like we don't care about advertising money we just want your money so here are here are the things we want to write that we think you want to read Um, if you give us this money, then you will be able to read them, you know, and like a space for more stories like this will, will persist. So I, I, my last year at SB nation, we spent a lot of time thinking up kind of like, you know, it's, there's all that coverage uh, around tentpole stuff, like the all-star game or the playoffs or whatever. And a lot of that ends up being wrote, even, even when you spend time trying to make it something different. And it's, It's crazy to ever think that, like, I worked with Grant Brisby and Grant Macquarie, and I think anything we ever did could ever feel kind of rote, you know, that feels like a crime. Um, So this kind of lets us, like, detach from all that, and not just for baseball, which is my primary background, but but for for sports in general, Um, and just kind of write these stories that we want to write, and we think, you know, we're sports fans. Uh, despite my earlier talk about not watching any games this year. Uh, we're sports fans, and we assume we want to read a lot of the same stuff that uh, y'all want to read. Yeah. Um, so to kind of give these, you know, we, we we want to give the issues a theme so that you know like what you're getting into and everything feels very cohesive and kind of coming up with these projects like that that can kind of be detached from the new cycle, but also maybe be like a reflection of it like this is resilience you know we're writing about resilience is the theme during a pandemic when sports were shut down uh when everyone's losing their jobs still still pretty in the cycle um even if it's not like the the chase and views chase and advertising all this kind of stuff you talked about earlier so yeah uh so i'm looking forward to that i hope readers are looking forward to it too it's it's nice to be able to produce produce a uh digital magazine where, you know, we can have someone write about, um, marble tournaments like in sports, um, as it pertains to resilience because it was a sport that was ongoing during the pandemic because of the way that it all works. (laughs) Um, that's cool. Like if you pitch that, if you try to pitch that freelance to someone, even if you got somebody to say yes, what are the chances you're going to get paid for it? So on the, like on the writer, the content creator side, it's pretty cool that you know you have this venue for it. Um, hopefully on the reader side, it's cool in a sense that they'll be like, well, this is weird. I want to I want to read about that. Sure. Yeah.
2: Alex, this is our chance to pitch our 5,000-word dual feature about cornhole tournaments on ESPN where <laughs> you and I just sit next to each other in an apartment and watch cornhole for eight hours straight and just log it as a diary
0: (laughs) cornhole does it does deserve more serious coverage i think uh sports media ignores it quite unfairly um (laughs) that's this is this is uh this is the the coastal elite bias against corn against cornhole we say
2: this as two people who turned on cornhole on espn2 one day because we were just bored and saw it um in the in the cable directory we were like this is bullshit a cornhole on on tv and then like no joke like 15 minutes later we were like what the fuck we were like screaming celebration for these two teams going at each other it's kind of nuts
1: this is like when i had um when i had playstation view before that service got canceled um and i'm you know we find out we have the olympic channel which like plays sports that are in the olympics like all the qualifying stuff that they do for 4 years before yeah they when actually it's not do the olympics, olympics. Yeah. yeah and there was um there's badminton which i love but like watching Olympic level badminton players, and you're like, oh, I didn't know people could do that. You know, <laughs> um, that stuff rules, and that's that's the kind of stuff I want to I want to be able to for people to know it exists and realize the glory of it without like yeah. watching ESPN at two o'clock in the morning or whatever and seeing cornhole or um, or just happening to flip the channel, you know. 590 or whatever it was that the olympic channel is yeah yeah Um,
2: there's a there's a whole um on bn which is like a cable network channel uh a cable channel um there's like beach soccer like five on five or four on four beach soccer that looks like it's being played at 1.5 speed these people are doing like bicycle kicks like three times a minute like it's out of control there's all this weird stuff and
1: are they barefoot
2: yeah. Yes. They're, oh, they're barefoot. It's Jesus. not, it's, it's, it's nuts. There's, there's a lot of weird stuff if you stay up really late, if you're, if you're a night person like <laughs> myself.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I think the, like the marbles thing fits into that. So yeah. And even, yeah. even the rest of us, like, you know, the writer pitched that we're like, what? <laughs> I I want to read about that. I want to know what that is. So we hope there's a similar reaction. So if it brings joy to us to come up with these pitches, we hope that people will respond to them similarly you know
2: yeah
1: um and it would be nice to bring some joy back to back to the industry and uh and in things to read you know
0: well it's it's been really fascinating to see over the last few years i feel like there's always a conversation about um well, you know, you're going to need to eventually pay for the the media that you want to enjoy. Do people want to worry about paywalls? Are they actually going to pay for the New York Times, you know? And I think that, like, what the last two or three years have shown, especially in sports media, is if you can guarantee people content that they know they will like, they'll pay for it, right? And I think that, like, the athletic as as you know you can criticize them for various things but like they proved that sort of thing that was like if you have a collection of writers who you know are quality like you'll pay to to read that thing and defector is the same way and publication to be named later as well um i think it's so interesting that like the the market is ripe for that sort of thing so to speak because it feels like 4 or 5 years ago i i wouldn't have imagined this ecosystem existing, but then you see, you know, again, massive media companies tear it down and all the readers are like, well, we still want to read this stuff. Right. We enjoyed the content that Deadspin and SB Nation uh, was putting out. So yeah, of course I'll, I'll pay to read that.
1: Yeah, it is. It is wild to see. And I mean, you know, we haven't hit our fundraising goal yet and we don't know, you know, maybe we get this first one and nobody wants a second one. I hope that's not what happens, but we'll see. Yeah. But it would be cool if this, you know, uh, even if we're not a website, you know, we're able to sustain this sort of thing. Cause it's just like another entry, um, that would prove like, Hey, this can work. You know, people can, people are happy to pay for this stuff if they get what they want. And, um, if they start reading a lot of content that doesn't have ads interrupting them everywhere or that's impossible to read on your phone without your entire phone locking up or sending you back to the beginning. I won't even say what website it was yesterday, but like I read, you know, a, a video popped up at the top with a very tiny X on it. A video popped up at the bottom at the same time, an advertisement popped up in the middle. And then I got rid of all that stuff and hit the read more. Cause you can only see the first like two paragraphs. Right. My phone went to sleep for like 10 seconds. I opened it back up and it was all there again. Like nothing else had changed. I'm like, come on, man, I just want to read about this Deftones album. Yeah. Right? Like, I the, I have the
2: same reaction every time. It's like, I am just trying so hard to read this. I'm trying so hard to read this thing that you yeah. put on the internet. I'm trying yeah. really I'm hard
0: trying to, to give you my business. I really, really want yeah. you to get my clicks, and you're making it so hard for me.
2: <laughs> man, this is my thing with MLB TV, but I, I don't, I'll save that rant for a later part of the podcast. I,
0: <laughs> In part, because we did it last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Um, no, I, I totally agree. That's that's part of the thing about newsletters, though, right? Is that it's just in an email, and like, guess what? Gmail works. Like, there's no pop-up video in my Gmail, so I'm just scrolling, reading the newsletter. Or Even like, if <laughs> it takes you to a different site, then it takes you to a different site. And it's usually like very simple, plain text kind of thing.
1: Even when I was doing the newsletter for SB Nation, you know, they were like experimenting with how to throw advertisements into those. Like, I was like, oh boy, here we go, you know. Yeah. because uh, it's like what kind of ad is gonna be in here that we can't get rid of because it's in an email and like once you send that it's out in the world forever. <laughs> but don't worry, I couldn't I couldn't get gifts to work in the on the platform to do anything fun.
0: <laughs> but we, we were trying to figure out how to make ads work. Uh yeah. Well it's you know. GIFs gifts b- blow up my phone Anyway I mean once there's like two on a page Yeah my phone's just like <laughs> it's, not, it's, not good. it's not happening
2: We say it's every year we do the all gift draft the all like gift 35 draft entirely... gifts in there Yeah, It's like the heaviest <laughs> web page on the internet Yeah
1: I um, I did this article that was like I think it was NSV Nation that was like maybe the 20 or 25 Best Yasiel Puig Moments to that point in his career And there was a GIF of every one of them uh, And one of them <laughs> One of the the higher ups on the editorial side like hit me up in a Slack DM after and was like, "You were going to use someone's entire month of data on their phone <laughs> just, just to by this opening one this article?" article. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "You can't do that." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> fine." So we had to like, I had to like insert links to every GIF so people could like open which one they felt you know it's like they can they can um, ration their own their own data instead of me. Making the decision for them, but that was, that was a fun turning point um, in terms of how content works. Where it's like, oh, okay. It's like if only we could host it some way so that it doesn't
0: use the data like that. But you yeah. can do that with like video, you know, um, but not with not with gifts. So we we don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, but before we let you go, we uh, we wanted to briefly talk to you. We'll bring it full circle. We'll bring it right back to the Padres. Um, you, in the the most recent edition of your Patreon newsletter, Patreon publication, I don't know the, the right way to refer to that sort of thing, but you recently published a piece um, about the the Padres and the time that their owner um, tried to basically sell the, the team to the city. And obviously the rest of baseball said Absolutely not. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> <laughs> no chance at hell. But we just, I, I kind of wanted to. I was hoping you could talk uh, a little bit more um, about that piece and more broadly. I mean, uh, a few months ago, before the season started, we went in depth and basically asked the question: Could baseball fans ever own? A team? What is the way where you can get closest to like getting rid of like owners entirely, where it's a couple billionaires who control your fate and actually make it an entity that exists um, for the fans, for the city? Uh, in reality, can, as opposed
2: to in the PR message that the teams put out yes, time and time yeah. again.
0: <laughs> can that happen? but fans own a team
2: yeah like having looked into this closely looking and looking into the san diego situation like did it make you more optimistic or more pessimistic for the possibility of something like that happening in the near or medium or i guess long-term future
1: yeah i mean the problem is the problem is exactly what happened uh to the padres owner at the time which is that MLB's other owners who get to gatekeep who, who is an owner and who is not an owner said, no, absolutely not. Like, I but won't even entertain laughed this. Laughed him out of the room. Yeah, like, I'm not going to answer this letter. What are you talking about? Because um, that, that was the thing. It was, um, she was going to straight up give San Diego the team, not even sell it, give the team with $100 million for a trust fund to then operate the team, you know, forever. Uh, and this was in 1990 money when a hundred million dollars in sports was still like, that's a massive amount. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, a few years, that was a few years after Roger, million, uh, Roger Clemens got paid a million dollars a year and was the first guy to be paid that much. So like, or it was around that time. I can't remember. I don't have that level of minutia in my head. Um, so a hundred million dollars would go a long way, especially as it's building, you know, interest on itself and it's supporting itself with merchandising and um, all the various revenue that would go, uh, go straight to the Padres. So the, you know the owners probably saw their lives flash, their lives and their usefulness flash before before their eyes, and immediately went, "No, absolutely not. No, this is the sport that I say makes me poor, makes me very rich, and I don't want to lose <laughs> access to that." Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think you could do it. Like it would take all this kind of like antitrust stuff. It would the the it would have to not be worth it to own a team anymore, and like actually not worth it, not the way that they say it's not worth it. Um, which is a real, a real shame. Uh, now if the players ever wanted to just like take off on their own and do like a player slash city owned kind of thing, Mm -hmm. I mean, if all, if like all the best baseball talent in the world essentially is like, yeah, we're not playing for you anymore. We're going to do this instead. That's not, not in the world of realistic either. But if we're talking like ways to do it, Hey, there's no owner gatekeeping. If everyone bails uh, and says they're going to start their own thing, where yeah. the money comes from is the issue. Because um, when the Players League formed in um, in uh, 1890 and they played one season, they they were like, "Wow, we really hate all these capitalists who are really ruining the game for us and will, like not paying us what we are owed." So let's get these other capitalists that we can definitely trust to finance this new league. Yeah, uh, they definitely won't. Like join up with the guys we left before, <laughs> and then sell us all out and leave us off like worse than we were before. That won't yeah. happen at
2: all. It's just like a classic um, fa- the classic fallacy of thinking that the rich people are on your side instead of on the side of the other rich people. Like that management is yeah. ever going to be on the worker side instead of other management side.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's and you know all the all the capitalists were like, well, we're going to screw like two or three people in this process that are on our side, but two or three of them, two or three of us versus, you know, 800 of them or however many at the time. Um. (laughs) So yeah, I I, I don't see a path to it for the very reason it didn't happen essentially, which is just like the powers that exist to keep it from happening exist. Yeah. So I don't know if there's like some crazy antitrust stuff at some point that MLB actually gets in trouble from. I'm trying not to laugh while I say that, but I'm it was Maybe someone could introduce In a bill
2: and call it uh, the uh, Save America's Pastime Act. Oh wait, that's already <laughs> taken. <laughs> uh,
1: that's a whole thing. Um, yeah, so I, I would I would have loved to have seen it. Um, I actually argued a few years ago when I, I said the only good thing that came out of the Save America's Pastime Act was that when the independent baseball teams were like, "This is going to kill our leagues," it was like, "Okay, like you." <laughs> you guys can't afford to pay minimum wage to these players. You know, that seems like a problem. Uh, And, but like my solution there was not like screw these guys forever. They can't play. It was more, wouldn't it be cool if you got rid of these independent leagues and then like cities took up like municipal baseball essentially so that fans could still go and enjoy the game and players could still have a place to go when they're not attached to these, uh, these other pro leagues, but without getting paid $4 an hour.
2: You know. Yeah, as opposed to making them just like very small businesses operating illegally.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, obviously, independent baseball isn't as like as much of a racket as minor league baseball or major league baseball. But but, w- but what is too? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a high bar. It's a very hard 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 to clear. Bar. Uh, I had the president of oh, president of one of the leagues, one of the bigger independent leagues, emailed me after that and was like. Basically, like with all due respects, uh, these are all the ways where this is wrong or whatever. And it's like, man, you used to work for Major League Baseball, don't I know what you're doing? <laughs> 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 so, it, oh, was it the Atlantic League? Whichever one got like in the deal with them with MLB oh, like yeah, a year right, later yeah, to be one. like, sure, we'll test out stuff for you. Yeah, we're yeah, sure, not we'll, in your we'll
2: Risk the health of our players with we'll we'll use no our prior knowledge. As lab rats.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that guy emailing me to be like oh, No, this definitely isn't a racket. I'm like, dude, you emailed me out of nowhere.
2: <laughs> I'm my, just, some, my, I'm just some guy. My This Definitely Isn't a Racket yeah. t shirt has a lot of people <laughs> asking questions about whether this is a racket.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of like, well, see, it's all justified because like three people have left this league and gone on to become major league players. And it's like, okay, <laughs> cool. That does, doesn't justify anything. Like, what about yeah. all the people who didn't? I don't know, you know, just, just like having a diff- completely different discussion of like the point in usefulness yeah. and whether it's exploitative or not. Um, but I don't know, that stuff keeps me
0: in a job, I guess. <laughs> it's not really yeah. exciting to say out loud, but. <laughs> well, it sounds like what you're saying is that at the end of the day, the the workers are the ones who have the power over their bosses and not the other way around. I mean, may you know, maybe, m- maybe we... Uh, I don't know. We could do something like unionize the the miners or something like that. I know that might be a little radical. Just a thought. Just a thought. Um, but, you know, just throwing that one out there. Unionize the indie leagues. Just you know, rise Some, up. Someone should write about that. Someone else should podcast about it. And then right, maybe exactly. there could be t-shirts. I don't know. <laughs> That's the that's the cycle of just any like trendy subject. Someone should write about it. Someone should podcast it, and, and then, then we'll create t-shirts, t-shirts and call work. it a day.
1: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> enough activism for today.
0: Just and then it, yeah, and then it um
2: and then the people in power never actually do it. They just there's just a lot of t-shirts <laughs> are about it in the world. Um, Mark, thank you so much. We know you got to get back to this two children that you mentioned. Um, but before you do, make sure to let everybody listening know where they can. Both find your newsletter, find publication to be named later, find anything else that you would want them to find out there in this world.
1: All right. Uh, you can get to the fundraiser for this uh, quarterly. It's uh, pubtbnl.com. So it's like the acronym for player to be named later, but it starts with pub, short for publication. So, you know, that's cool. That's a <laughs> There are no really good ways to do URLs for this, but at least we got a custom Gumroad URL. Yeah. so pubtbnl.com will bring you right to the fundraiser link in the uh, description you, as well uh, you can see you can go to uh, our twitter page is ptbnl underscore quarterly and you can find uh, my stuff uh, patreon.com slash mark normandin that is my name um, as long as it's spelled right somewhere on uh, the podcast page you can you can figure that out and then we dispel it for you and uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, marknormandin.com
0: too. Also, my name. Weird how that works. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Frozen with joy, right where I stand, the world grows its light underneath your hair. Forty miles from Atlanta, this is nowhere. Going to Georgia. Thank you once again to Mark for coming on. Taking the time out of his day, has a family, has real obligations, and uh, and yeah, so we we work around his schedule and, and not the other way around. Um, Mark
2: was wearing a unionized the miner shirt. I know you mentioned that in the interview, but if you're still yeah. listening at this point and you don't have one, it's like be like Mark, be get like a unionized Mark. the miner shirt. <laughs> Everybody knows that famous phrase: "Be like Mark." <laughs>
0: Uh should we get into some three up three down, Bobby? I think we should. All right. Uh you were going to uh, I want you to kick us off this week. Let's go uh let's go up. Let's be I'm in a little bit of a good mood today. What's what's bringing you joy right now?
2: Oh, a little bit of a good mood. All right. A little right. bit of a good mood. Let's bring that mm. down later when we do down. But yeah. uh until then, number one for me is Taylor Tremell in the Players Tribune. Um Taylor Trammell wrote a piece for the Players Tribune titled baseball is not black enough and it's, it's a really good piece. You should go read it. Um, but the thing that sticks out to me is young players who haven't even made the majors yet. So unabashedly saying things like this and not couching it in anything else and not making excuses for major league baseball and not giving a, a boring, dry media response about things that are structurally wrong with the game and even in the lead of the article the lead of the article is that headline got you a little bit nervous huh it's like yeah that headline probably does make a lot of people who like baseball very nervous and it probably makes a lot of people in baseball nervous too because they're responsible for a lot of the problems that we continue to see in the game so, I don't know. There's not that much more of a nuanced take to have without just like reading and discussing what is in the piece itself, which is something that you know we've discussed these issues a lot on this podcast. But essentially, what brings me joy about this is that Taylor Trammell, one of the top young prospects in baseball, even before he makes it to the majors, is like, "Hey, this is a serious problem, and I'm just going to
0: address it very directly on its face." Yeah. And I'm, I mean, the Players Tribune is a really good space for that sort of thing. And I hope that players feel emboldened to have these conversations on their own terms, because I think that a lot of times, especially over the last kind of month or so, as baseball has been grappling with these conversations, it feels kind of very forced, right? And reporters have to, you know, ask Dom Smith about it or, whoever it is, it it kind of becomes this like narrative that you have to participate in because you're in the public, you're in the, you're in the spotlight for this sort of thing. You have to, you feel a responsibility to, to answer uh, to these conversations. And so I'm really glad that he is kind of taking his space with it and taking his time with it um, because that's when it feels the most meaningful. So link is in the description if you, uh, if you want to read that, which you absolutely should.
2: Ton of links for people
0: to read in the description. A ton tonight. of links, big big links pod. Okay, what's up for you? Last week, it was Mariah Carey. Earlier in the pod, it's Jennifer Lopez, and now I want to talk to you about Justin Timberlake. Okay, who would like to bring baseball to Nashville? I'm into it. Joining a uh, group of investors who are trying to bring a major league baseball team to Nashville called the Nashville stars. Dave Stewart is a part of that bid. Dave Dabrowski is a part of that bid. Um, Can't get fired. If you're the owner, Eric church and Luke combs, just like a, like straight country stars. This is a, it is a diverse eclectic group of a group of people who want to bring baseball to Nashville. Um, which sure, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that. Now, I don't know if this group is going to just advocate for major league expansion for one team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, feels like a part of a larger conversation <laughs> that Major League Baseball needs to be the ones um, instigating that.
2: But they're just I, like standing
0: I, I, there waiting for a
2: pass, but there's no football.
0: <laughs> yes, it, yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> this is Justin Timberlake speaking about this in a statement, and it's, to me, somewhat indecipherable. I believe, I think the, the group is called Music City Baseball. That's the the like good financing name. group. That's yeah. a good mm-hmm. name. I believe in Music City Baseball's vision of linking baseball and music in a unique way to unite and entertain people, and I am excited to help generate awareness through the community as we share our vision for bringing MLB to Music City.
2: That literally says nothing. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means at all.
0: How are you linking baseball and music? Besides Just the fact the sense that, that it's in Nashville. You're in Nashville.
2: Well, they're gonna play music at the games.
0: Oh wait, every other team does that too. <laughs> uh, you can read more about this in the Tennessean, uh, where this story was was broken a few days ago. Um, my I enjoyed the part where they outlined all the. Obstacles to this, which are um, they lack a majority owner and they lack financing, and um, there are issues negotiating for territorial rights, and they also have to build a stadium, which um, the city of Nashville would have to help pay for, and they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars right now in tourist dollars. So there's like at least an obstacle or or two, or six. In, Or six or eight or ten in their path. But it's got Justin Timberlake. You know know
2: what I hope this isn't, though? Because I can see this becoming a down in about 12 months. I hope this isn't one of those things that they got together waiting for the next owner to try to move a team out of that city. To be the safety net for the next owner that tries to threaten to leave a local municipality. Like the next time that the A's owner is like, well, if you don't give me eight hundred million dollars for this stadium, I'm out of town. And guess what? Now I have a place to go. Now I have Music City baseball. Was that what it's called? Music City Baseball? Yes. Music City baseball, my friend Justin Timberlake, they're ready for me and I'll just be the minor or I'll just be the majority owner. I'll just move my own franchise there. And then I'll be the majority owner and they'll buy into the franchise. Yeah we will just dilute somebody else's steak or something like that. You know, like that's what this oh, kind of smells like to me like they don't have a majority owner. Yeah,
0: 100%. They don't yeah. Have and money? they're and they're, they don't and they're a, already okay. talking about public financing like the overall this is, there's no way this is like an objectively good thing. However, I think we need more uh washed up 2000s pop stars in our uh oh in baseball. Shots. Fired. I think that's what this need. at who Justin Timberlake
2: <laughs> washed up is so pejorative like it's so
0: mean <laughs> <laughs> okay if there is anyone who's washed up it is justin timberlake
2: but everybody gets think, washed he can up take alex it. he's not like trying to be out in the present still I everybody guess. who's not in their prime is quote-unquote washed up <laughs>
0: Yeah. And you know what? When I'm 40 and still chugging away at this podcast, I, feel free to call me washed up. I will be. I'll call you
2: washed up now if I want to. You just don't <laughs> have the heat like you had in episode 64. It's you really true. brought it on episode 64. Listeners, listeners should go back and check that one out.
0: Yeah. No, it was all downhill from there. I don't even. Um, know, what, I don't know
2: what episode 64 is. I hope nobody goes back and listens
0: to it. <laughs> what is, uh, what's next up for you on your list? Uh, a little bit of a theme
2: here. Next up on my list is Mets prospect Pete Crow Armstrong, and his tweet about Skip Bayless. He just tweeted straight up, Skip Bayless should be embarrassed. Period. And this was in response to, um, it, I, how do I even explain this Skip Bayless blunder? Like <laughs> I don't he know. he went on his TV show and he said that Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. This requires so much background. Dak know, Prescott, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, can't believe we're talking about football. Should not have come out and talked publicly about his depression after his brother's suicide, which is something that Dak did in, a, I think, in a piece or in a video, um, p- piece of video journalism or something like that. And Skip Bayless said that that was like not not what a leader would do. A leader wouldn't talk publicly about his depression because then. I don't even understand his logic. Like, then it undermines his ability to to rally the troops or something like this. Some bullshit like that. And Pete Crow Armstrong just straight up tweeted, "Skip Bayless should be embarrassed." And that's true. Skip Bayless should be embarrassed. It's pretty rare, though, that like minor league baseball prospects just like come at a member of the media in like a very direct way like this. And it just it brought me joy because one, he's on the Mets, and he is seemingly more mindful of the world than most young baseball players. And number two, you know we've been, we've been having a little bit of a, a thread of conversations about journalism as it pertains to baseball. And this isn't quite that, but to see young players just be like, yeah, the media has a lot of problems and Skip Bayless should be embarrassed because he's part of that problem, I think is a, is a bright sign. I think it's a positive sign for the future of player media relationships where like, if you're just pulling some bullshit like that, be crow Armstrong or folks of that generation are just going to call you out on it directly. And like, you're going to get ousted by nature of the fact that no player respects you. And therefore why would fans respect you? So I think it's the start of something. It's an indication of a trend where if you're just like a bullshit hack, like skip Bayless, who's going to be like, depression is dumb. You should never talk about it. (laughs) Then you're going to lose all respect of the community with which you try to talk about. Not that Skip Bayless hasn't already done that. He's like kind of a low target. But I like this. I like this from Pete.
0: Yeah. Skip Bayless should be embarrassed yesterday, today, and tomorrow.
2: Uh, Okay. What's second for you?
0: Second for me is uh, just a straight up baseball thing. And that's the Atlanta Braves scoring 29 runs this week in a baseball game against the Miami Marlins. That's a lot of runs in a baseball game. I don't know if you guys are kind of generally familiar with uh, what baseball game scores look like, but 29 is on the higher end of what's generally considered within the realm of possibility. And in a year that's already just whacked out bonkers bizarre we're seeing like double digit runs in games like every few days it's really strange to me and I don't know what is driving it but
2: yeah I was trying to think about that too
0: it's 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 weird and didn't like the 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 brewers like scored 17 runs or something like that like 19 there you go
2: they scored 19 on the Tigers that same day yeah and then the Mets won 18 to 1 two days ago. So yeah. like what's going on? What's... I don't I don't know. Anecdotally speaking, it just feels like they're playing so many games so frequently that once the starter doesn't have it, the bullpen is probably already tired. So you turn it over to the bullpen in like the second or third inning and there's just no bounce back potential because they're so tired. They might have already pitched four times that week. It's just like fuck it, dude like we don't have it today. We're just going to not have it extremely badly today. You know cuz like in the Mets example and I I'll use this one cuz this is the only one that I actually watched all 9 innings of and saw all of the runs. Like the Blue Jays they put they beat the Blue Jays 18 to 1. The Blue Jays brought in Anthony K when it was like 4-1. And they left him in for the whole inning and he he given up a grand slam while, before he even got an out. Like he came in at the beginning of an inning, loaded the bases, gave up a grand slam to Dom Smith and they left him in. Like that would not happen in a normal year.
0: No, I, this happened in the uh in the Braves Marlins game as well, right? Jordan Yamamoto came in in relief and gave up like 13 runs in one inning. Yeah. In one inning. And they were just kind of like, yeah, just, we'll just let him wear it. And they just brought him back out for another
2: inning and two-thirds. He threw 96 pitches in two-and-two-thirds innings. That's got to hurt your confidence, bro. Like, you're a totally. rookie. Yeah. You come out here, and they just let you wear it like this, and then you have to go home that day and know that they don't give a shit about your development
0: because you're a rookie, oh, and they God. let you <laughs> give up
2: 14 <laughs> runs in an inning? Like, they would never do that to a top prospect.
0: Yeah, absolutely not.
2: That's That's tough, but I guess those are the breaks. So I guess
0: that, that part doesn't bring me joy. Um, but these little pockets of weirdness, I think, do bring me joy. It's nice to know that in a chaotic year, you can't even really count on baseball. You either. Have to be consistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, what's the last for you?
2: It's another little pocket of weirdness. It's Mookie okay. Betts playing second base. Hey, I almost had this online. Dude, I fucking love Mookie Betts. For... A million reasons, and this one is so far down on the list. But it's little stuff like this, where he's one MVP, he's won a World Series, he's easily the second best player in baseball, and he's a gold-glove right fielder. Yet he wants to play second base so badly that he has kept sharp with his infield defense by taking ground balls at second base. Basically, every day he does defense. Like every day he works on his defense, he also works on second base and right field for this opportunity. Like the Dodgers have so many good outfielders, they had more room for him at second base than in right field. So it's like we're going to try Mookie out at second base and he's pretty good at it. He looks he looks pretty competent. I mean, far be it for me to be surprised that one of the most athletic baseball players of our lifetimes can play second base, but <laughs> it's 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 really underrated, I think how hard it is to go back from right field into second base. Like, you know what skills aren't similar tracking fly balls in the outfield and fielding grounders. Like those are very opposite skills, almost as opposite as like hitting and tracking fly balls. Like they have nothing in common. I know this because I could never track a ball in the outfield, but I was fine in the infield.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's also just like, I feel like moving Mookie to the infield just gives you like slightly more of a chance that you're going to see him involved on in any given play, you know? Yeah, like Which, turning like, a double play. Or- exactly. Turning double play. Even just, even if he's not involved, you'll just kind of like see him standing off to the side in the yeah. background around the horn. And yeah, exactly. And I feel like, you know, maybe just look a little more engaged. You can't, it's hard when you're in the outfield and you're on your own and it's not necessarily interacting with your teammates as much. But, Mookie Mookie could fill the hole that uh, that Adrian Beltré left. I think when he uh, when he retired a couple of years ago.
2: I agree. It's weird too. It's weird to see him at second base. I've literally never watched him play second because I didn't watch any of him in the minor leagues.
0: <laughs> That's yes. the last time
2: he <laughs> did it, so it's cool. Um, okay, I think we're at your third up, right?
0: Yes, we are. Um, and it's just two words: Shane Bieber. Woo. He, just just striking out like half the guys he faces, which is an exaggeration, but not that big of one. Currently, the most relevant Bieber in the world. Currently, the most relevant Bieber in the world. Hey, about Bieber. Would you describe Justin Bieber as washed up? I was just about to say. I mean, you know, we're talking washed up pop stars. Here we go.
2: <laughs> See, yeah, that uh, one. Like he earned that. You know, like he's not even thirty yet. He's he is washed
0: up. Would you, are you saying that Justin Timberlake is not like? Dude came. Have you did you see Man of the Woods? Did you see that? Did you oh. listen to that album at all? No, bro. That is, I did forget I, that's about like, that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think it's my turn to pick the music this week, though. So I'm
0: going to put All Man of the Woods. Is it? I think it's my turn, actually. Is it really? Yeah. So it's, but I'll put All Man of the Woods too. So I mean, nah, just put some good Justin that.
2: Timberlake stuff, bro.
0: <laughs> Shane Bieber is. Ridiculous. And I, th- I think that last year, one of your predictions for the season was that Garrett Cole was going to break the, uh, the K per nine K record. Per nine. Yeah.
2: And he did, by the and way. He did.
0: I was right. Yes, you were right. As I usually, Kudos yeah. to you. Thank you. <laughs> Shane Bieber, were this, I mean, it it will not count Wait. like it might have l- last year.
2: Oh, you're saying that, like, in the record, like there
0: will be an asterisk next to it. There will, there will be an asterisk next to his name, most likely. But Shane Bieber is going to break that record again. He's I mean, sitting he's at like 14. He's that record right now. Just absolutely crushing it. Fastest pitcher to 100 strikeouts in a season. Um, it took him 62.1 innings. That's insane. That is insane. That's 300 strikeouts in 180 innings.
2: He gave up three runs the other day and his ERA went up like a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. <laughs> um, shoe in for the Cy Young and Maybe reasonably MVP? speaking, he's he's in the MVP conversation as well. So that's just extremely fun. Good pitchers being good is a good thing.
2: Man, you're and canceled though because yeah. this is part of the reason that they traded away Mike Clevenger though, Alex. And we can't contribute to that line of thinking. So we can't... Yeah, you're right. That's true. You can't enjoy Shane Bieber because um, Cleveland is a bad organization. (laughs) I'm just kidding. He's amazing. He's amazing. His delivery is kind of weird, too. Like, it's... It's not... I mean, it's beautiful. And, like, nothing is wrong with it. But I feel like you don't see as many guys, as many dominant pitchers with, like, the short arm style where, like, they don't whip their arm all the way back straight. They kind of bring it up, like, in an L shape still. And... You know, because like part of the reason, and this is a digression, but part of the reason that Jacob Degrom has been able to add so much velocity is because like his arm action when he whips it from that straight position, and meanwhile Shane Bieber is here just like muscling 94 mile an hour fastballs and pin with pinpoint accuracy and dropping in ridiculous off speed stuff and making everybody look like um, little leaguers.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, we like this thing. Brings us joy. All right, should we move on to to what is sapping your joy this week?
2: Yeah, the first thing is a former Cleveland pitcher. Okay. Goes by the name of Trevor Bauer.
0: Oh, God, really? We almost made it through an episode. We're past the
2: 45-minute mark, though, so I don't have to put a quarter in the jar. Okay. Trevor Bauer is dangerously close to being the favorite for the NL Cy Young. Like, we're hanging on by a thread here, guys. Like, he's having a very, very good year. He has a very good claim to the NL Cy Young, and the only two people who can stop him are Jacob DeGrom and Yu Darvish, two pitchers that I care a lot about, so it's personal for me. I'm worried. It's sapping my joy that I'm so stressed all the time that if the ace of my baseball team, one of my favorite Mets of all time, has a couple bad starts, then Trevor Bauer is, in, is the favorite. Or if Yu Darvish, who I love and I'm so happy that he's having a bounce back year and he looks incredible, if either of them screw up, we're just going to hand it to Trevor Bauer. And that sucks. I'm, stra- I'm stressed out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that'd be a really unfortunate turn of events. But you know, we've we as you mentioned, there are some saviors that could be waiting in the wings. Um, some dark horse candidates.
2: I guess Max Fried is kind of in there Max, too. Max Fried's in there. Prevent power.
0: I think I Castillo's hanging around
2: there. Eh. Yeah, what? I got news for you though. Well, first of all, Luis Castillo can't win it because he's not even the best pitcher on his own team. So like it, I think that nobody's going to vote for him. Second of all, nobody's going to vote for Max Fried
0: because nobody I mean, fucking knows who I mean, who- Luis Casio is the best pitcher on his team.
2: I know, but time. he's not having the best season by okay, results. Yeah. And like, that's how all of these voters vote. Yeah, right. I know. And like, nobody's going to vote for Max Fried because like, they don't know who he is. So sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> if it's Bauer de Gram and Darvish, Max Fried's not getting any votes. So no.
0: I mean, honestly, Darvish might have the best case chance level. right now yeah. because, <laughs> in part, because he has seven wins this year. Which is a, nothing to say about how he's actually performing, which is also very good. But you know, he wins in the traditional stats. So that
2: I still think DeGrom would win it right now, just because he's won two straight, and I think a lot of people are like, "Yeah, he's the best." That's fair, and it's like enough of a toss-up that we're going to give it to the guy that we know has been the best for like the
0: last three years. The comeuppance for you, Darvish haters, I think has been has been real nice.
2: Yeah, fuck out of
0: here. He's fuck out of here. You, Darvish, is good.
2: He had 19.1 inches of move, arm side movement on a two seamer <laughs> the other day. That's like literally, that is like the best slider in baseball in the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. What's sapping your joy? Number one.
0: The thing that's sapping my joy this week is the Joe Kelly mural in oh, Los
2: Angeles. Yeah.
0: Curveball. I saw it with my own two human eyes yesterday. Yeah, you did. It's just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just jaded and get off my lawn and I'm just like over this news cycle already, maybe you're but like jaded? the the Joe, yeah, I well, yeah, okay. <laughs> but like the Joe Kelly pout, I feel like that that really came and went for me. I don't care about it anymore. I get it. The Astros are on the verge of maybe missing the playoffs, which is cool. Joe Kelly is not the guy who I really wanted to be at the forefront of our antro, anti-Astros sentiment this year. Like, not really the figurehead I was really? hoping for. That's surprising to me. I would have paid you for a Joe Kelly guy. Yeah, I'm a big Joe Kelly guy. Um, and the mural just, I feel like it's a good period to this uh, to this chapter. You know, it's like, Joe Kelly pouted. We all went up in arms over it. and We all, you know, we... Got our T-shirts out there. We got all the content from that, and now he's posed in front of a mural of himself doing the pout. That's it. This is this is how it ends. Yeah. And I, as we were texting yesterday, and you were saying that Dodgers fans just need to get over it. And you know what? It's kind of true. It's been three years, guys. I mean, there was a line. Your team is the best in baseball.
2: There was a line down the block of people of like parents and children decked out in all Dodgers gear to take a photo with this Joe Kelly mural and I'm like look I don't have a child (laughs) far be it from me to tell people how to parent maybe you should have asked Mark this I personally would not bring my kid to take a photo with the Joe Kelly mural that was created only because Joe Kelly threw a 98 mile an hour fastball at someone's head that wouldn't be my parenting style You know, if it was like a mural of Clayton Kershaw okay my we can take a picture with that
0: <laughs> but joe kelly we we bang we bang the drum on this podcast all the time about how players should have more personality and they should leave it on the field a little bit more you know show up give us that color we want it and then joe kelly does it and someone makes a painting of it and an entire fan base rallies around it and we're like shut the fuck up go home get over yourselves
2: what do you what do you make of the the Dodgers fans who showed up to the park when the Astros drove in on the bus and they were like banging trash cans and yelling at the bus.
0: You know, it's fine. This yeah. is the in in any given if this was a normal year, the Astros would have had to face this sort of thing in every stadium they stepped foot in. So like whatever. I guess take the chance while you can get it, right?
2: Yeah. I wonder what happened to that um that piece of legislation that the Los Angeles City Council introduced about how the The Dodgers should have those World Series rings. You think that ever amounted to anything, or do you think that was just a show?
0: (laughs) I'm sure Major League Baseball took that very seriously.
2: Yeah. Well, I know that for a fact that the L.A. City Council took that more seriously than doing anything about LAPD. Let's move on. Yep. Uh, Number two (laughs) for me is, and you know, I don't really want to talk about this. All right. So let's keep this short, but. Our friend Bradford William Davis tweeted, NYPD caps, BLM warm-up tees, and very, very few that will recognize the tension. It's weird, and it sucked, and the whole time that I was watching that game while they were wearing NYPD caps, especially in this season, it's just like how quickly we forget that NYPD is a massive part of the problem that we've all been talking about for the last five months, and some of us have been talking about for longer than that. It's just, it's weird. It's weird. But, But first responders, Bobby. I, you know, Pete Alonso was briefly in the dugout before the game wearing a Department of Sanitation hat. Like we could just wear those the whole game.
0: Yeah, you know, I like give like, me a baseball those are not who at, stands like the Department of Parks and Rec. You know, yeah.
2: those are not um, creating attention between the the massive problem of extrajudicial murder in the streets that we are suddenly like trying to have a conversation around in Major League Baseball. Like that's not creating attention. So maybe just wear those or maybe just wear your regular hats and use action as a way to, to signify your appreciation or to signify what you believe in um, politically and morally rather than just like wearing the hats and having like the very rote, we must remember response that it seems like Major League Baseball has opted for.
0: I really would love to see more baseball players standing um, city departments that like they may like use or benefit from on a regular basis. Yeah. Um like Michael Conforto show up to the park in an MTA hat challenge. Yeah. You know?
2: Well, MTA famously very equitable and, and doing well. Right. Yeah, they are they are doing.
0: It's a good it's a good organization, well run.
2: Yes, they provide equal service to all people um of all backgrounds and income. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're down. <laughs> how long can we keep this bit going (laughs) (laughs) no I I know you know what I mean and I'm having a hard time articulating it but I think Bradford did it better than than either of us could there's a lack of it there's a lack of examination there that is that left the distaste in my mouth about how it was handled and it seems like there's a lack of examination about how MLB engages with any of this stuff so like it's all part of the same problem Okay, what's next for you?
0: What's next for me is something that I'm I'm realizing we probably could have talked about with Mark because it's right up his alley, but um, but we didn't, and so it lands here in three up, three down, and that is that the president of minor league baseball, Pat O'Connor, is retiring. He just signed a uh, a, a four year extension of his contract just this past offseason. and so the fact that he is cutting that short and uh and just bowing out uh i think sp- does not spell a lot of good news in the future for minor league baseball this is uh this is the guy who went in front of congress and said that minor league uh, baseball players uh shouldn't get paid a livable wage and that's the way that we're going to save the minor leagues and then major league baseball went through and just decimated it anyway just screwed it so you screwed the seventy-five percent of minor leaguers who are still in a job, and uh, and you didn't do anything to protect the twenty-five percent.
2: You're putting on your clown makeup as you're announcing your retirement, Thanks. my friends.
0: Thanks, Pat. <laughs> and and he did a lot to um, help the growth of minor league baseball when it comes to revenue. And so I think it's a, I mean, it's a particularly sour legacy that he is leaving behind, or at least kind of an anxious time for the minor leagues. The guy who oversaw like massive amounts of growth and revenue, uh, Major League Baseball, is saying, yeah, we're going to cut it anyway. And he's like, all right, I'm dipping. I did my work. I tried.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting bellwether for the future yeah. of the minor leagues. Which um, may not have a, f- a future at all. I think we're sort of overrating. These things happen really quickly. Because if you can cut 42 teams in one offseason, you could just cut 42 teams the next offseason or even more the next offseason. And in 10 years, like the minors could just be gone entirely if that's what baseball teams decide. And there's almost nothing we can do about it. I'm serious, though. Like This is such a stark example of how owners can just do whatever they want and never even think twice about how it will affect anyone at all. They just have unadulterated power in this in this sphere and it goes to what mark said it's like if even if one owner was like yeah i want to help the minor leagues out like the other 29 could be like "Nah, no fuck you getting them to agree wholeheartedly on keeping the minor leagues alive is like just not gonna happen
0: so is it any wonder why that's uh that's sapping my joy this week you know <laughs> it is no wonder <laughs> Okay, my final thing is so dumb after we just talked about like two kind of serious
2: things, but this is hell yeah. this is how we do this here uh it's the it's the diamondbacks mascot <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's sapping my joy necessarily like it's not really doing anything to my joy, but it is scary it's pretty scary if if you haven't seen it's a it's like a it's a mouse it's a mouse with sharp teeth and red eyes. And it's named Rat Leon, which is a play on the Diamondbacks. I I suppose the Diamondbacks rally cry, which is hashtag rattle on, which is a bad rally cry because, and they're not even a good baseball team, so they don't really use it very often. Probably. Um, It just doesn't make a lot of sense, man. It's just, I don't know how these things get this far up the ladder that like we actually, they actually happen and we see them. It's a terrifying mascot. Mascots, if anything, I hate the Philly fanatic but at least the Philly fanatic like kids love this mascot is terrifying if I'm four I'm running away from this thing if I'm 24 I'm running away from this thing I hate this thing
0: well and you you neglected to mention that they already have a mascot yeah that's a bobcat and it's also scary (laughs) and it's also scary so they just in the middle of a pandemic we're just like you know what we need (laughs) is a rat running around our ballpark uh, to just cheer people up.
2: The type of shit that you, that you do if you uh, have never lived in New York and have seen rats that actually look like this and
0: may actually be close <laughs> yes. to this size. <laughs> and they're literally this big, exactly.
2: <laughs> I don't like it. And congratulations to all the people on Twitter who made their jokes about Chuck E. Cheese. Like, this is Chuck E. Cheese's evil cousin mm-hmm. or something. Like, good joke, I guess. Congrats yeah. to all of you. But um, for me, it's a nod nah dog. Rat Leon. <laughs> rat, Leon. <laughs> rat Leon, Rat Leon, mm. Rat Leon, Rat 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 Leon, Rat Leon. Is it like French? Are we Are we going for like a um, Ratatouille joke here? I have so many questions. If If anybody <laughs> from the Diamondbacks do. organization is listening and wants to come on to talk about Rat Leon, like the, the it's an open platform for you.
0: That's just just drop the rat. Like at just this Leon. point, yeah. just Leon, you know, or Leon the rat. Yeah. But like rat Leon, it really does sound like it's like a different language. You know how like in Spanish you'll, you know, put the, wow, I can't, I'm not going to be able to talk intelligently about Spanish grammar, but.
2: You mean like conjugation?
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, you put the, whatever. I don't, fucking, <laughs> no, I don't, keep I don't going. know why I, like I, this. Down the, this I don't is know. The, this this, is, is, this is a good
2: bit. This is the linguistics hour on hour two of the podcast. <laughs>
0: I have nothing else to say on the matter.
2: Okay, what's your final thing?
0: Matt Chapman's out for the year. Oh,
2: man. I kind of wanted to just avoid talking about it altogether.
0: Nah. It sucks, though. <laughs> you actually no... aren't allowed
2: to have any nice things.
0: No, really. It's it's a bummer. Because um, Matt Chapman is good at baseball and fun to watch. And the A's are one of the best teams in baseball right now. And losing your best player, ostensibly. Um even though he's help, been bad. Doesn't year. help that case, even though he's been bad this year. Yeah, yeah. Do
2: you think that this hip injury is the reason that he couldn't hit water
0: if he fell out of a boat this year? Uh I sh- I sure hope so, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean he's a incredibly fun, you know, Meg Rowley picked him for the all gift draft. Tough and a reason for, Meg. for that. Tough beat for Meg, although I mean, I'm sure he has paid dividends even in this shortened season. Yeah, he's created some surplus value that'll carry him through. <laughs> yes, ex- exactly. Exactly. Well, maybe this is time for Meg to trade him in for a, for a younger talent. You know, yeah. he's starting to get, he's rising up the draft board. He's starting to get expensive. Trade him in for a younger, a younger, giftable draft, drafty future value. Right? Yes.
2: Future value. It's, surplus value, future value, financial flexibility. Mm. Are, there, are we missing any?
0: Lower overhead costs. Right. Yeah. Payroll by cutting the uh, minor leagues. Anyway, I'll miss Matt Chapman this uh, the rest of the year. Rest and uh, and the you know, playoffs too. I'll miss him.
2: Where is he at knocking, in the life cycle of his um player exploitation? Like is he in arbitration?
0: How many years is he gonna be on the A's? He's pre-arb right now. He'll hit arbitration uh, next year.
2: Except we're not going to have a season next year. so
0: Except we won't have a season next year. And then yes, the labor exactly. negotiation
2: and then the collective bargaining agreement is over after that. So we're not going to have a season the year after that either.
0: Right, exactly. So Matt Chapman might not uh, be on the A's uh, after next year. But uh, the good thing is no players will be on any team after next year because the sport may or may not exist. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have that to look forward to. What if the players go on strike for a whole year
2: and they get rid of the whole idea of arbitration? And then the A's just have to pay Matt Chapman right away. They just trade him like in an hour,
0: right? Uh yeah, probably. But I think that it's not exclusive to the A's. I think every team would just offload their their stars. At some point though, like that wouldn't
2: work though, because they like the rich teams would run out the rich teams, quote unquote, would run out of like positions on the field. It's like it wouldn't pay to have Matt Chapman and Nolan Arenado on your team. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> although I guess one of them could play
2: shortstop but then where do you put I don't know let's just use the Yankees for example like where do you put Clay Torres or, or if you're the Dodgers and you've traded for Lindor where do you put Lindor like it, the rich teams are going to run out of position so then every team has to pay them something right yes yeah. that's the thinking I think
0: yeah we're we're so we're so deep in this in this rabbit hole I don't even know how we get out of here if
2: I wrote you a symphony to say how much you mean to me, would you do if I all right, Alex. You were Thanks to everyone for listening would to another week of tipping pitches. Um, if you want to find some of Mark's work, if you want to check publication to be named later out more, like we've said a couple times, the links for everything in this pot are in the description. And, um, if you want to uh, help me out on MLBCV and you're a customer service representative for Major League Baseball hit us up tippingpitchespot at gmail.com tipping underscore pitches on Twitter
0: I'm just trying to figure out how to watch Bobby's asking pro. Bobby is asking you the listener to call the manager for it please call the manager
2: for me I'm, uh, I've always been in support of calling the manager and airing out your grievances yeah grievances, and deport- grievances are important to me
1: <laughs>
2: <Let's> <laughs> spin this
0: back to be pro labor somehow <laughs> yeah there it is full circle. Thanks for listening, everyone.
2: Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches.
1: This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya!